0: Welcome to The Pestle, reviewing and breaking down movies to look for insights into the movie-making process. Hosted by Spam RoboCollings. This is the U.S. credit card company calling with important information. Now, let's dim the lights and start the show.
1: Welcome, everybody, to The Pestle. Today's show is brought to you by Hera, the ambitious game from Grimpop Studios. Pick up Hera. It's totally fun. Welcome everybody to the vessel. I am Wes. And I am Todd. And we're filmmakers. We uh dabble in the art, the medium of film, whether that's corporate videos or I write and direct uh 360 content, VR films. We've picked up an award or two, actually. It's funny, uh I'm not good at like blowing my trumpet. Uh I, I just I I'm, I'm terrible. Like if it's I've I have this really bad sinking feeling that if it isn't like can or Sundance or South by that, no one cares. And that might actually be true, but it doesn't necessarily mean, you know, that uh, it's worthless, you know, that, you know, you, you win an award at whatever, a New York advertising uh, festival um, that you didn't even submit to um, that, that stuff isn't worth something. And so, Yeah, we we do all this stuff behind the camera, sometimes in front of the camera, we're actors. And we try to use that knowledge to look at films and TV shows and uh, see what makes them tick. What do we learn from them? Why do they work? Why do they not work? And see if we can get better at the filmmaking process and maybe, you know, learn something about ourselves along the way, Todd. I don't
0: know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, So tell me a little bit about... um You mentioned that you do 360. What does that mean?
1: Yeah, so I think we've seen those uh, 360 cameras that capture uh, 360 degrees around it. So the weird thing about that is you put a 360 camera down, it can see everything around it, and you can effectively imagine your head as a 360 camera. And if you, no matter where you look, right, right? If you look up, if you look down, if you turn around and look the other direction, if you look down, um, you can see everything. And so a 360 camera takes 360 footage. It sees in like a sphere. If you imagine a sphere and that whole thing is one big lens. And then in post, you know, you edit it and you put on your VR headset. Now your head is effectively where that camera was. And that's kind of the best way to think about it is your head in a VR headset is exactly wherever that camera was. And so uh, you can look anywhere and whatever the camera could see is what you can now see. And it requires a lot of thinking around the curve because uh, that also means you can't really put lights into the set, right? Right. 2D normal cameras, right? You you have a limited field of view. And so you have like your 50 millimeter lens and uh, you're looking at someone doing an interview on a couch and maybe all you can see is uh, their shoulders and their head. And so you can have this nice, you know, Kino flow or LED light giving off all this nice light to, so that you can see their face really well. Well, you can't have that light in a 360 set necessarily uh, without a lot of heartache because if you put it there, you don't want it there in the final edit. You don't want to break that experience of uh, the, there's a reason why we don't see, you know, the, the fill light or the bounce um, or the the sound operator, right? The boom op is right off camera. And if you're shooting 360, you can see all that. That's right there in front of you. Um, and so if you want to use all those things, uh, which is not advisable, it also means that you need to get a boilerplate shot, a template shot so that in post you can erase effectively all those people, all those lights, right? That's just a nightmare. You don't want to do that Um, because it also creates some weird artifacts in terms of where is all that light coming from? It doesn't make sense anymore. Uh, It just kind of breaks the experience. And so shooting on location, you have to find out where's my light coming from? Where can we hide the crew? (laughs) And so normally I'm sitting around a corner with my producer and uh, my DP and we have a whole table there filled with like laptops and iPads and we're able to watch and adjust the settings of the camera and hit record and hit stop. The, the, the microphone is usually like sitting right below the, the, the camera, but, and then we also have lavs on, on hidden on our actors. So it's just a, it's a minefield of production because then too, you can't move the camera around, right? You can't just say, Oh, we're going to go in, we're going to push in for a close up." well, you do that, uh, for one, you have to figure out how do you move the camera, and now you have this motorized like dolly happening, um, so that audio can creep in. But then even worse, in a headset, if the camera starts moving, you get nauseous because uh, that sense of um, your inner ear is being completely thrown off. Uh, unless you just happen to be walking forward as well. And so there's all these things happening uh, that, okay, well then how do you get a close-up? Well, now you have to stage and block it. Now your actor has to start in a medium and have them walk into the camera. But then you can only get so close because it's really not just one camera, it's like six cameras. And so there's stitch lines and you want to make sure everything happening in one camera is not going to create some weird stitching error. It's a a lot happening going on in there um and these are all the things how did you get into that it's so funny because uh you know our friend Ricky Ricky Holm who I met after he got out of film school he moved to Austin and he worked as a producer and uh as a DP on a few of my projects and then you know we did a short film not long after uh just kind of testing what we have access to like oh let's just make something and which was a really expensive, uh, uh, let's just make something experiment for me, by the way. Um, and I think he worked with me, you know, just a handful of times. And then he got really fascinated with VR technology and 360 video. And he was like, I'm going to start in the immersive technology. I think this is where we're headed. It's so interesting. It's cutting edge. Um, there's not a lot of competition and he's got a very strong engineer's mindset, Um, He's a creative guy, for sure. He doesn't like to tout it as much. But early on, he was like, I need to create a real agency. And in in order to do that, I need a creative director. I need uh, a development team. I need XYZ. uh, I need an artist. Uh, And so he reached out to me. He's like, hey, man, I just want to pitch something to you. And if you don't like it, that's fine. But I always love working with you. I love your writing. I love your directing. I was wondering if you would be interested in just being my creative director. Like I'm launching this. Uh, creative agency and I would love to be able to say I have you as my creative director and you know I'll add you to the website you can put it on your resume blah 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 it, everyone's winning um, and then anytime I get a project I'll come to you and you'll be my guy uh, and I was like yeah cool he had me at <laughs> I love your writing
0: <laughs> and directing. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, what's the downside? That yeah, sounds great. <laughs> because I've never
1: had anyone come to me, you know, out of the woods and said, Wes, I like your directing enough. I like your writing enough that I just, I want, you know, uh, to, to hire you to do just that. You don't have to do anything else you don't want to do. Just I'll produce, which again, you have me at I'll produce. I know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, it was just this, random thing. And I think, you know, and he knows, um, at that point for sure that I don't do things half-heartedly. Like I, I can be, uh, very obsessive about my work. Like I'm in the middle of finishing a, a demo reel. I'm making a demo reel for a, a speaker, And, you know, to talk to me about it, you would think I'm at the end of a Kubrick style movie like that I've been working on for two years. I just take everything so seriously, uh, which, you know, can be my Achilles as well. But I don't go halfway like I I pull out stops for whatever I'm doing. Um, And and I think he appreciated all those things uh, combined. Yeah. Weird. That's awesome. Yeah.
0: No, you know, that's like, you know, life is what happens when you're planning Life, you know, so like, yeah, you just got to whatever comes at you, kind of roll with it. That's awesome. Thanks for that explanation. I mean, I kind of knew that a little bit, but the idiosyncrasies of the little, little things of details of think all the things you got to think of about 360 is like, that's crazy.
1: It's so So, wild. And I think the other thing that really caught me off guard is. I've kind of gone through life assuming that everyone likes the same stuff that I do in terms of the things that I'm really passionate about. I just kind of assume everyone else likes doing those things. Everyone likes writing, right? Because you're telling a story. Who doesn't like telling a story? Everyone likes directing, right? You're the you're the one. You're the one on set with the vision. Like who doesn't who doesn't want that? Uh, actually, there's a lot of people who don't want that who don't enjoy it. Like. I think a lot of people would enjoy directing like once because it's interesting and you do get to be the visionary, uh, uh, director. Uh, but the process, if you don't love that entire process, you're going to be like, that was fun, but you know what? That's not for me. <laughs> like, I, yeah. I like moving on to other stuff at a certain point and yes. di- you don't get to do that with directing. Yeah. it—it it, it is a whole process. And I, I love it all. Like we say, we've been saying a lot lately anyway, that you really have to love the process. And I do, I love, I love the writing process. I love uh, the the storyboarding or shot listing process. I love scouting locations and finding out does this work? Does this tell the story that's in my head? Um, I love I love being on set and working with people and figuring out a scene and reworking it when it sucks. Um, and that's the the urgency of it all because time is ticking. Um, you got to get you got to make your day. All that I love getting in post and being terrified of. Uh, I didn't get it. I I screwed up on set and now it's too late. And now I got to make do and then finding out you're right. And then even better finding out you're wrong. It's all there. (laughs) Mm, Yeah. It's terrifying and it's awesome. I love it all. And then I love walking away when it's finally freaking over.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And then moving on to the next thing. Right. Then you get excited about it all over again. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. That's so cool, man. Thanks for all the details. Yeah, so today we are covering Barbarian. Uh, so if you haven't seen it, uh, pause this episode and go watch it. I believe it is streaming on HBO. Is that right? Or Netflix? Uh, HBO. Correct. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So because we're gonna spoil a bunch of stuff, bunch. Yeah. Stuff.
1: We're gonna dig in. We're gonna look at some of the cinematography, a little bit of the camera work. Definitely talk about the story and the writing, uh, the way you know they play with the audience. Um, as well as some of the directing, uh, specifically ambience and tone. I think that's heavy uh, in the director's toolkit, especially with a horror film uh, and other such stuff and things and stuff.
0: And a quick synopsis of the film. A woman staying at an Airbnb discovers that the house she has rented is not what it seems. Written and directed by Zach Kreger, featuring Georgina Campbell as Tess, Bill Skarsgård as Keith, Justin Long as AJ, Matthew Patrick Davis as the mother, Richard Brake as Frank, and the cinematography by Zach Cooperstein. Uh, hey. Uh, the laundry's still in wash, um, uh, but I thought, um, well, I'm wide awake,
1: so, so I um, it's going to be a bit not. I thought I'm going to have some of this here wine, but I didn't want to open it. Uh, before um, you got out of the shower, because I noticed you didn't drink your tea. And, would well, I totally get that, by the way. I mean, you don't know me. And, and this is a really weird situation. It makes total sense. Um, but I thought that, um, you know, you might want some of this, but if I open it while you weren't here, that... Um, that um, I'm, 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 I'm sorry, I'm rambling, Jesus Christ. Um, I thought you wouldn't want any if you didn't see me open it. So, I waited. I'm
0: good. That was the trail.
1: That was a trailer? Uh I guess oh, just a clip. It was just a the clip they had available. Just a- yeah. Okay. It's yeah. so good. I love that. I'm good. <laughs> all I'm that yeah. I'm good. Yeah. I uh, also love how they frame it because you know, they put the wine and the two glasses massive, like it's right front and center and we're all thinking it. And now he's finally saying it. Um, this is a weird film. Um, and I'm curious if uh, the humor was lost on you or uh, if you actually like laughed at some of these really crazy WTF moments.
0: I didn't laugh in any of it. <laughs> really? Yeah. No. Okay. No. I mean, there were... So, like, a, that scene, for example, is a good... It, it's a great example because what it did was it it lightened everything a little bit. It didn't ever make me laugh. There was not a moment when I laughed at, in this entire movie. I mean, okay, maybe with Justin Long, there might have been one or two moments where I did laugh. <laughs> okay. Um but I, I don't even think I laughed. I think I was just like, okay. I, it just, light, again, lightened the mood a little bit. Because I went into this movie knowing nothing. Which is, I think, Absolutely the best nothing. way. Yeah. Is the best way, right? And which is why I, I really, like, if you haven't seen this movie, please pause it and go watch it because, yeah. Uh, but I didn't know who the barbarian was. I didn't know what why it was called that. I didn't know um and honestly it could i mean i think i know who it is now but uh it's it was a i was just stressed out the whole time because scarsgard has this way of like seeming creepy but seeming also not <laughs> yeah. and very lovable and he's a beautiful man to look at too at the same time he's creepy and beautiful at the same time i think it's because i know he played it he yeah. played pennywise uh, yeah pennywise uh which he's fantastic at, but, but anyway, yeah. So I thought that scene was great. He was brilliant in it and his delivery is perfect. And her response is perfect. (laughs) And, and it it was really cool. I, at first I was kind of like, this is a weird situation. I, you know, I don't know if I buy it, but then the more I thought about it, the more I I thought, you know what, they kind of set this up really well, you know, like she's never been there to Detroit. It's Detroit. Right. So there are parts of it that are really rough. It's at night and it's raining. So she hadn't seen, you know, the the area, you know, she hadn't seen that it was so dilapidated and run down the house that she walked into seemed fine. You know, it was a small house, but not that bad. Looked really nice inside. Finally, when she got in there, it's a scenario that I'm sure has happened before where uh, an Airbnb gets double booked. Right there's a guy who seems like he could be maybe be creepy, but at the same time is still easy on the eyes and he's really sweet. So, and offering. So yeah, it seems very like, like, okay, you can maybe let your guard down, but Oh, I also know, you know, they have to, as they're making this movie, they have to understand everybody that's watching it knows it's a horror film. Mm -hmm. So you're not making it for the people that are in it. You're not making it for the the characters in it. You're making for the people who are watching it. So you have to like make it not not oh my gosh, there's a creepy person in the house. I'm going to run upstairs. No. Yeah. You run for the front damn door. Come on. Let's not you know, let's not beat that trope into the ground. And there were a couple of moments that I thought like what? Just leave. Just leave. <laughs> just leave, you know. He's going downstairs to check it out? No. Just leave. Right. Like um, that was the only moment, though, you know, like I honestly like even her going into the going back into the hallway. You know, I she was she felt for him, you know, like like she was. You could see that
1: internal him. struggle of I know I should leave, but I would hate myself if I abandoned this guy in this
0: creepy. Yes. Freaking place. And, and they beat that into the ground again after um, AJ goes in. Yeah. Or, or or she gets out, but AJ is trapped and yep. she will not leave. She's like, I cannot leave him down there. I cannot leave him down there. But I that's why this whole reason I asked you about 360 at the beginning of this episode was because I would love to watch this in 360. <laughs> can you imagine? Can you imagine like, you know, following AJ as he's running with his, his, his phone light? Because he can, it, they do it so well because you can only see for wherever the light's aimed. So he's like running forward to see where he can run. But then he's got to look back and then forward and then back. Can you imagine wow. like that being 360 where I can look back while he's running forward and like, oh, my God. And the before he finds the room where the guy is mm-hmm. uh, dying or laying in bed and where she, you know, the mother kind of creeps into sight and then back into the darkness it was such a goddamn! Was such a great moment. It was such a great moment. because it's so barely right. Everything is so dark, and it's
1: almost impossible to see the details. But they're just there on the edge of you know yes. uh, total blackness, and you just barely see her start to come forward, and then they are so patient with that shot because it could Mm -hmm. be very tempting to just kind of cut away to his reaction, um, or just have her move a little faster, but it's like a good 45 seconds of her easing in and then being like, Oh, F that. And she eases away. And you're like, what's behind that door. If even she isn't going to go near it. And it's such
0: great, wonderful tension. Oh yeah. Uh, That once one, section that I did laugh at a lot is when he finds the room and he starts measuring it for <laughs> foot, square footage to sell the house. I I thought that was so good and, and such a light touch because you know, if he's not stressed out, we're not stressed out. Yeah. yeah. Like that's how it felt. It felt like, like, Oh, he's just blah, 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 you know, bouncing around. Like I'm going to measure this death room and see if maybe, you know, I can get another couple grand out of the house. Yeah. It was so good. <laughs> And then when he finds the door behind it, he's like, oh, he's so excited. (laughs) He's measuring the steps down. It's just so good. Um, Yeah, I absolutely, I loved this movie. I loved it. I thought it was really great. I'm not, you know, crazy about horror films. Yeah. But I loved how there were sections, right? And after, what is Skarsgård's character? Keith. After Keith dies and we cut and we think that, and we think that maybe, test died too. Like you just assume that they're both dead. Right. And then we cut to AJ, you know, just in California, tapping his, you know, steering wheel, driving down the road. Not only is it a great moment to cut away, to give relief, right. It introduces a whole nother section and you're thinking, okay, this is going to tie into that. It's got to, how is that? You know? So so now all of a sudden you're thinking, you know how they say a lot of times put your heroes in a, in a situation where you can't imagine them getting out. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, instead what they do is they put you in a situation that you can't imagine how it ties into the situation you just saw. And so it's basically, we get a whole nother story in this movie, which felt really cool. It felt really like it didn't feel disjointed because it all came together. And they gave great detail on AJ and his character and what he's, what he's going through at first, you know, cause I felt sympathy for him at first because I'm thinking, I'm thinking, okay, he might be a little bit of a douchey actor, but at the same time, you know, he's surprised at this. So I'm just going to assume that he's maybe more innocent than, hmm. you know, because that's just, I'm an optimist. And then we find out, no, he kind of is a douche You know, and he He did that and Because he had even admits it basically to his friend in the bar yep. And so they give a, They give you a little bit And then they give you a little bit more And they give you a little bit more Until finally at the end, he proves who he really is When he throws Tess off the water tower And, and so then when he dies You're thinking, oh yeah, you deserved all of that You're <laughs> such a pile of shit You completely do but even even throughout everything, they're like, there's a reason why all this stuff is there. There's a reason why it happens. There's a reason why why um okay, she kept so Tess is alive. The reason is because this is a this is a mother. Like she like wants to, all she grew up on like this film, this breastfeeding film. That's all she ever had. And so she wants to she wants to keep Tess, right? Or she, mm-hmm. whatever's down there, she wants to keep it, right? And unless you're freaking out. And if you freak out, she kills you, <laughs> right? And what she did for Keith, she killed Keith. Anyway, I just thought it was really well done and really well put together. And and all of the pieces kind of like fit for me. I, I did question a little bit about the cops mm. of like, would they really be that aloof? I mean- unless they were in on something and they knew about something, maybe they knew about the house and they just knew to stay away. You know, I can't imagine that being the case, yeah. but the, the, the other homeless guy or uh, knew about it and knew that she came out at night and that she never went into that building and all this stuff. I, I'm, I'm not sure about the cops, but yeah. if you have an explanation of that, I'm, I'm all ears. Other I than that, I loved it. I don't know
1: that I have a strong explanation for it. Um, and, i've been chewing on it i don't have any notes for this but just trying to put together all the thematic elements you know into some kind of cohesive structure or plot or uh, uh, statement and if we look at this you know from you know whatever 30 feet thirty thousand feet you know point of view it's a lot of you know uh, men and women and how they experience the world you know if we think chronologically the uh you have this frank this you know old guy in the 80s kidnapping women raping them having their kids uh apparently having kids with his kids um then having kids with them right copy of a copy of a copy and then you start saying okay no one really gets out of this film doing okay uh you all the men meet uh, a pretty brutal end. Um, obviously Frank kills himself, right? Uh, whether that's because he's just miserable or probably because AJ's over here talking about the cops are going to be swarming. And he's like, yeah, I don't want to be here for that. Uh, goodbye. Uh, but you know, and like you said, AJ meets a very justifiable end and having his literal head split open. Um, and then, but even Keith, right. He's our one good guy. The, uh, the entire movie He ends up being the only good guy, even though like you, you so well uh, stated, like he's also kind of creepy, but uh, you you just can't figure out what, what the deal is with this guy. Um, And, and it's uh, commenting, I think on what Tess was saying early in the film about uh, the way men and women move through the world are completely different. If she had gotten there first. There's no way in the world she would open the door for him. Great point. And even if he did, if if she did, he wouldn't have thought twice because why should he? Right. I'm a guy. I get away with stuff. I I don't have to think about this stuff. And and then you kind of paint all that onto these Detroit police officers. And God only knows what they see day in, day out. Uh, I mean, they get called away for a shooting. It's not like, hey, there's a drunk driver over here. Uh, which would you know be rough enough for a cop to deal with, uh, but literal gunfire, <laughs> like, oh, okay, we got to go towards the gunshots. I'm sorry about your broken window and whatever crazy crackhead things you're going through right now because they're so jaded after living uh, and, and working that area that that's all they're assuming. They're assuming this is exactly what it looks like to us, like every other thing. Mm-hmm. And having them address her the way they did is rough because... That's a tough thing to write, you know, on the page and make it feel true. And for me, it felt very true. Like, how would I react if some dirty woman runs up to me saying that she just uh, escaped being a prisoner? Do you have ID? I don't have anything. Well, your, your story is looking really good by the second.
0: I, uh, Wes, Wes, if Georgina Campbell, I don't care how dirty she is, walks up to you. <laughs> You are you are entertaining anything she says. Well, yeah. Aliens came down. <laughs> We're going to get the aliens came man. down. Yes, exactly. They're in her pocket right now. Oh, really? Okay. Show. Yes, yes, ma'am. I'm listening. Come so on. true. No, you're right. You can't but. dirty her up enough. <laughs> but there is, there is. I love that he
1: did the thing. He was trying to do all the things we say we want characters to do in a horror movie, right? Yeah. Uh, don't trust the guy in the house. Don't go in the house. Don't go. And we are now feeling all the compulsion to go against those instincts. And it feels true. It feels honest. It feels like, yeah, we've, we've, we have bonded with this guy, Keith, right? He's, he likes jazz. He's a jazz artist. We're probably going to interview this guy for the documentary that I'm hoping to land. And every inch that she gives up, you're like, I get why she did it. Because we also saw those defenses, those walls, like, Nah, I'm not doing that. Like, screw that. Um, Well, crap, I'm locked down here. Let me just look uh, because maybe there's an exit. And of course, as soon as she realizes there's no exit, uh, quite the opposite, there seems to be death. Like she bounces. Uh, And so it felt like, yeah, she has to call the cops. Why? What sane person wouldn't call the cops after experiencing what she did? But then we have to experience every movie, right? No one ever does the right thing. They always go back for the dog. Like if you had put a dog down there and she went back, now I'm rooting for her to die because as much as I yeah. love dogs, uh, there is no dog on this planet worth a human life. And I'm sorry, okay. I'm going to stand by that. And instead you got to put a person down there and it's got to be a person that uh, we like. And even then, even there at his final moments, we're still starting to question. Him. <laughs> we're still starting to be like, I don't know about this guy (laughs) until literally he's getting his head cracked open. Then you're like, you
0: know what? Keith is okay. (laughs) I'm cool with that. You know what? I'm cool with that. Yeah. I'm good with Keith. He was an okay guy. But then, but then after that, the, the whole moments that, that Tess has with mother as gross as they are is kind of beautiful and heartbreaking. Yeah. In those last few moments, you know, and for that, for them to be able to pull that off, honestly, is really like it's a testament to the actual story, but yeah. to the story that led up to that moment. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't I don't really have anything else to add to that. I just thought no, that but was it really is this,
1: interesting. It is interesting because this movie plays with two and now a third uh, very strong tones like the tone of horror and suspense and what's behind that door. And then this other tone of comedy, like I got to see this uh, opening night. Like I think I saw it on a Thursday night. So not even at the weekend. Uh, And it was a packed crowd, which is a dice roll for me. Like some crowds are amazing. And sometimes you just have that one person uh, in the back who's laughing at all the wrong times. And it's just like, Hey, buddy, get on the page with everyone else. Um, and
0: in, in, uh, hold on. Isn't it funny how like like if one person does something, it's annoying. But if a hundred do something, <laughs> right. it's actually like great. That's so true. I just wanted to point that out. Like, don't be that one person. OK, be nobody one. else is laughing. Do not laugh. OK, I don't care how funny it is.
1: And it was an amazing crowd uh, because we all were experiencing this, you know, in sync. And that moment uh, where she uh uh, where the woman comes out of the darkness crushes a skull and then screams and then we cut to black we all erupted in laughter and it was just (laughs) so weird and like what did we all just experience uh because up until that point right we're we're playing this whole game of is keith the one right yeah and this is where i think he does such an incredible job of playing with the audience Um, because we open on this guy named Marcus calling her phone and she denies this call twice. Who is this Marcus? Who is this guy? Uh, we never find out of course. Um, and that's why, you know, I think throwing a bunch of stuff at the audience early on, uh, can disrupt our compass. it's just like, we don't know where we are anymore and we're trying to figure it out. Just give us a little light. And then we get into this house with this guy who's clearly not trustworthy. Right everything he does is suspect. He's, he's very nervous. He's very anxious. Um, does he really have a reservation? We have these questions of, is he just saying he booked it? Um, or is he squatting? Um, did he drug the tea? He, he didn't open the wine, but there's ways to drug wine. Like, I feel like I've seen movies where you take a needle and you can push it through the cork. Uh, and now suddenly it looks like the wine's never been opened when in fact, uh, it's full of whatever, Pee, cat pee. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, that. And then, right. You have this big dramatic shot of the tea emphasizing what we were already thinking. Like, I don't trust that tea, please don't. And then he just points it out everything the audience is thinking like, here we are big shot of tea filling the frame. And so we're just asking this question. Is this our horror villain? Is it Keith? Is he putting on an act, right? Does he already know about the tunnel and he's just doing such a good job of being aloof and creepy and this X factor. And then once we have that really nice night with him, right. Where uh, it's so funny to say it that way. Like we had a really wonderful time with Keith, didn't we, everyone? (laughs) (laughs) And you you just feel like, okay, no, this guy is on the up and up. Uh, She trusts him, but then she falls asleep and there's these weird noises. The door's open. He's having this nightmare. Is that an act? Is he, And then we see, no, he's clearly freaked out. And so now we're like, maybe it's something he does in his sleep. Maybe this is one of those uh, multiple personality things. And we just don't know where it's going. But then we wake up in the morning. He's left us know. We're like, I think it's fine. Everything's fine. And then she steps outside. And I just have this moment of like. Where is this going? What are we doing here? <laughs> What's, what is happening? We think Keith is okay. She survived the night. Um, she's interviewing for this cool jazz documentary. What's the danger? What's the point? What's, who's the barbarian? Um, and then she gets home, right? Finds the tunnel. Keith is acting weird again, right? He's acting suspicious, Does he already know about the tunnel? Is he part of this? Right? He's trying to keep her from leaving. He even physically blocks her just to try to calm her down. then, you know, he goes down and disappears. And we're like, is this him trying to lure her? He's suspicious all over again. And she goes down there because she's still convinced he's okay. Uh, And he's still playing with the audience uh, with, she goes into the creepy camera room and now we're like, okay, she propped the door open for the hallway, but is now this door going to shut? Is that part of the trick? Uh-huh. And so we're kind of waiting for this door to slam shut and it doesn't. we're like, okay. Uh, she goes down the hall and now she's hearing him scream for help. We're like, no, don't do it. Don't help him. Um, that's a trick. He's, he's gaming you. Uh, and then she finds him Right. And he's over here trying to get her to go deeper into the tunnel. Uh, and we're like, Oh, he's in on it for sure. And then you have that beautiful moment of him getting his skull split. And we're just finally like, you know what? That guy's okay, uh, and uh, <laughs> he's not really okay. <laughs> he's not, I mean, he's he's not doing well. But my feelings about him are okay. <laughs> yeah. um, and then we cut to AJ on the PCH singing this ridiculous song. I have no idea what that song is, but it's absurd, and he is completely invested in it. And it's just this great wtf moment of what is happening right now uh, how yeah. does this all come together i don't understand and it that was another big laugh for the audience uh, uh just kind of imbibing like the the chaos because when that whole sequence pops off the tension couldn't be higher and so the relief valve is just waiting for some kind of escape uh, and when you give that to a room full of anxious people, like everyone's just laughing their asses off because uh, it feels yeah. good to have the moment lightened. Uh, and it's just it was. a yeah, And you're
0: laughing. You're you're laughing not because it's funny. Right. You're laughing because because you just you you were. It's almost like shock laughter. Yes. Like, you just don't 100%. know. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's like jumping it from going from a sauna, jumping into like ice water. Or something. Yeah. You just can't. You just. It kind of takes your breath away. And you don't know. Your body doesn't know how to react. So you do something weird. Like laugh. You know? Yes. Oh, it's so good.
1: Then we're like, okay, who is this guy? Um, AJ. Oh, he's an actor. Uh, this is his agent calling. And now he's being accused of rape. He's losing his show. And his finances. And the more we kind of learn about him, the more we realize, yeah, he did it. Like, yeah, you, you're mm-hmm. you're clearly guilty. And yet we find a way to start to kind of re- relate to him and sympathize to some degree. We're like, this guy's lost and he's looking for his way out, you know, symbolically. And then, of course, literally. But uh, it's, it's just interesting. And then there's the laughter of his kind of cavalier attitude with the tunnel, right? Measuring it. And it's just so absurd. Uh, there's a lot of laughter there. Um, like the audience was cracking up. And of course, that whole sequence underscores everything uh, that Tess was saying early on about women's attitude about safety versus men. Because you have this dude who could not be less, you know, concerned about these weird tunnels. Which I believe, I I want to say I've listened to a couple of interviews with Zach, uh, and I'll I'll tell you what I learned from him, which will be really fun. Uh, I think you'll love it, Todd. Uh, some of the stuff that he has to say about making this thing. Um, but oh, cool! But it's just him, you know, uh uh AJ, that is, uh having this really, you know, nonchalant attitude about his safety. And it just Tess is he's making Tess's point in so many ways. Not just the accusations uh, against him, but also the way you know he's he's conducting you know himself with his own personal safety. And then of course what I found really, really funny, uh, I can't remember if the audience laughed at this, but is he's running down these Creepy tunnels and the creepy camera room that he's measuring, and the only thing that triggers him is when he finds
0: the the video of the breastfeeding, and he's just like, "Ugh!" <laughs>
1: it's like, really, bro?
0: Yeah, like <laughs> even the even the like the alcove with the cages. Right. He just starts measuring it, like it's just what the hell is wrong with you? But it's breastfeeding. <laughs> That's where we draw the line. Oh, it's yeah. such a great oh kind
1: of mockery of, uh, the, the bro, right. The, I don't know, fat, frat bro mentality uh, of life. Uh, he's just the embodiment of it and it's just perfect. But then we of course have that next WTF moment where he falls into the pit. And like you said, we find out, Oh crap, Tess is still alive. Like what, what is this movie? What is happening? And then we have this next shot cut to the eighties and, It's such a great moment because that first segment, everything in the previews, everything that I knew about this movie was, this is just a movie about those two characters, Keith and Tess. And then it broadens to AJ, uh, which is weird. Um, And now you're like, when are we going to find out what the story is? And then we have this like five minute sequence in the early 80s with Frank being like the worst embodiment of humanity
0: possible. And of course, which which by the way, just to add, is like a, the really good dichotomy there is the color. It's so saturated. The greens and the reds and the blues, they're just so they pop so much, which is so it's really great because it's almost like this is the sea. You know, you might see this as like a pure era, right? Before all the downtrodden, like like um, the disheveledness of this part of Detroit, right? This is like the heyday of it where everyone lives on this beautiful street and the yards are taken care of, the houses are in good shape, and the sun is, you know, beautiful in the sky. It's super blue and everything. And yet there's this like dude who, Frank, who just... You know, so anyway, it's it's a, that's an important because like my eyes look at this as pure, as un, untainted, un undisheveled, as opposed to the the current day with every you know all the houses are dilapidated and everything. So
1: that's a really good point because you combine that with the aspect ratio shifting to this more mm. four three, yes. all right? And we have these really wide angles so we can see everything. Um, it feels aged yet it feels like you said pure the the saturation is just on the brink of being too much and it, it's like this perfect judgment of a bygone era of it looks the part but underneath it all there's really dark stuff um, there's there's evil and it's being perpetrated by your neighbor um and, and whatever maybe in in the same house that you stay in now that same evil was present right and yeah. It's, it's really like strong storytelling, but it finally gives us a backstory, a rough idea of what we're dealing with. Right. It's a psycho kidnapping women and having babies. Oh crap. Um, and then we move into this sequence, right. Where AJ will not play her long. He will not suck on the baby bottle, which is another great kind of WTF. Like she's what? And then. But by that point, we're starting to piece it together, too, between the the video, her general appearance. And now this baby bottle, we're like, oh, my God, this is like a crib. And uh, she's she's trying to emulate what she saw. And then, of course, it's reinforced by Tess. Um, she's like, don't you get it? She just wants a baby. Uh, just be your baby. And he won't play along uh, because he he's AJ. And that gives her an opportunity to escape. And that whole escape sequence i think is just genius like her breaking the glass window um and and crawling out right i love kind of cringing at the thought of her catching the jagged edges of glass going out of the window mm-hmm. it's just you know it's another one of those you know mess with the audience um and and our empathy uh and then we also have that you know the the homeless guy in the abandoned house right who's there to help her and she goes back Oh, and this is so good because she goes back to help AJ. And what does AJ do? He shoots her. <laughs> like, yeah. And it's so good. That, that, that idea is brilliant because it reinforces AJ, right? As a selfish idiot, but maybe he's changed. It gives him an outlet to maybe demonstrate his contrition and his ability to change. Right. Cause he's trying to help now and fix it. He, he picks her up. He's not just going to run. And be like, oh, you're going to slow me down. It's like, no, no, no. I need to do the right thing. He picks her up. They get out. um, They go stay with the homeless guy uh, in the abandoned house thing. And this guy becomes kind of our exposition, right? We get some backstory of, oh, she's just a crazy lady, right? She's a copy of a copy of a copy. And you're like, oh, no, that's not good. And it gives us this beautiful moment of truth for AJ, realizing he's a bad person, Or maybe he's a good person who's done some bad things, but he can fix it. He can change. And then like moments later, like you said earlier, right? Nope. He flings Tess from the water tower. Uh, And what's even better is when he gets down and finds out she's still alive, he acts like it was an accident and almost like it was her fault, right? Which is exactly his attitude uh, yeah. towards uh, the the rape allegations, which at that point, you can't help but be like, yeah, fine. We weren't there. We didn't see it. But this dude absolutely raped that girl. Um, there's mm-hmm. no question. And it's just really strong. Like, uh, and, and to your point, that third tone between the the, the tension, the comedy, we at the very end have this very heartbreaking tone of, you know, we're, we we feel bad for this uh, woman who did nothing wrong and she's a victim of circumstance. Um, and she did effectively what she was taught. Like this is what she was saw growing up. This is how people treat people. Um, whether that's the brutality side from her father or the, uh, gross nurturing side, you know, from the the, the baby video. This is, this is how you treat babies, not how you treat full-grown adults. Um, and it's just a, a distorted worldview um, embodied. I don't know if there's any statement beyond that uh, other than Tess had to do what she had to do to survive. It wasn't about necessarily judging that woman. It was about, I'm sorry what happened to you. That cannot happen to me. And therefore, I need to kill the old way. And I think this is where you could kind of extract whatever lesson you want. Um, but if I were going to extract one, it was it would be something along those lines of, I'm sorry about what happened to you in the past, but we need to move forward. Um, and uh, we need to do it with the our safety in mind, with our own personal safety in mind. And if that means breaking some eggs, well, they shall be broken. Yeah. Strong, really and this is the fascinating thing. I've, I've heard a uh, one or two interviews. I'll see if I can find him. I think he was on DGA and maybe even script apart. And so that would be back to back weeks. Uh, I've been just hungry lately to listen to directors, talk to other directors about their work. Um, and so I've just been devouring all these interviews, uh, that I have been sleeping on for, I guess the last five years. <laughs> and so I've, I've heard Zach Crager, uh, talk about making this thing a couple of times and the two, three things that I pulled out of it, one, Barbarian, really doesn't mean anything at all. <laughs> it's It was a working title. The, the only reason he pulled that as a working title is because it takes place on Barbary Street. And mm-hmm. if you live on Barbary, you're a barbarian. <laughs> um, mm mm-hmm. And then he was like, Any, anything beyond that, uh, you, it's you, you're, you're, you can look at it however you like, but that's what I had, you know, that was where I'm coming from. Um, and of course, but it doesn't hurt that you have this barbaric, you know, underground dweller and that's, you know, pretty wild. Uh, and then the other really, really cool thing that I keep thinking about is he wrote this as an exercise. He just wanted to sit and write something that was fun for him that he was like entertained by. And so he got to the end of that first uh, chapter and he was having fun. And then he just suddenly felt like I'm not having fun anymore. Like all of this up to this point has been really fun and entertaining. What would be really fun to happen right now? You know, what would be cool as a random woman comes out of the darkness and bashes this guy skull. In. Cool. We're going to do that. <laughs> and you know what, What? Where do I go from here? What would be fun? You know what? I think I just want to go as completely far removed as I possibly can from what we just experienced. What's what could be further than the Pacific Coast Highway with a schmo singing in the car? (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. It's just genius. Oh yeah. Uh, I can't remember anything else off the top of my head. Oh, the only other thing that's awesome um, was the the final shot. Uh, This is kind of a here and there thing, but the final shot of Tess leaving wasn't supposed to be at twilight. Um, it's the shot is her kind of walking down the street with the sun beginning to rise, you know, in the um, but I, it's the first rays of light of twilight. And it wasn't really supposed to be a twilight. It was sp- still supposed to be dark, but it was the last day of shooting and they ran out of nighttime. And so they just had to get what they get. And that was that it's a beautiful shot and it's funny because i would have assumed it was completely intentional because it symbolizes everything else that's happening in the story right she's leaving it's a new yeah. day uh survival you all those things it was just happenstance
0: <laughs> i love that crazy i love uh, that i love that writing note of of Oh, I'm I'm not really having fun. Okay, what else would be fun? Oh man, yeah, this is because I think that when you look at that, when you look at like a big long dark or a small dark hallway, you think about a creature walking out of it. I mean, I do. I definitely do. But for it to be some like creepy woman naked, like that's okay, that <laughs> that's interesting. And then to kill him and then not to get out. Oh man. Okay. But talk about painting yeah, yourself cool. into
1: a corner, right? Like, you have to figure out some way to justify all of that. Like, who was that woman? Why is she down there? And then how do we get back here? Like, fine, you want to go to the West Coast um, from the Midwest, great. But you got to find your way back there somehow. And it's got to be in the flow of the story in a logical way. And it's really and the pacing
0: is really, they're really good. Like they give a lot of information for a, about AJ pretty quickly. You know, it's not it, we don't belabor, you know, on a lot of stuff like, you know, we hear his agents and stuff, but we just hear them talking. We never meet them. The only person we meet is his accountant when he fires him as a client, basically. And then and then he's and then he's already in Detroit. And he's getting in a rental car. You know, like. It's, it's pretty quick, but through all of it, we get a lot of, oh, no, this is serious, you know? And at some point, oh, yeah, when he gets in his rental, it gets even more – it gets more and more serious. At first, his agents are just saying, you know, this is pretty serious allegations and da-da-da-da. And, yeah, you're probably not going to be a part of the the pilot, you know, even if it does continue. Okay. hmm. All right. Well – then we go to his his accountant and his accountant's like, yeah, you've got three months. And by the way, I'm not going to work with you anymore. OK, wow, this is OK, getting more serious. And then he gets to Detroit and his lawyer's like, you're out of the out of the state, dude. And, and he's like, what am I? Am I I'm not going to be arrested, right? Right. OK, now it's like real serious. It just keeps every moment we have with him keeps getting more and more serious mm. Uh, but it it's go, it goes by really pretty seamlessly pretty quickly
1: great point so, yeah it, they yeah. keep finding he keeps finding a fresh way to kind of push us a little bit deeper into the story yeah. into danger um, and whether that's like a psychological danger for AJ or physical danger you know with Tess or both when Tess and AJ are both kind of trapped downstairs yeah the, every step you're right uh just kind of keeps pushing us further and further. Uh, until we're just like is there any way out of this thing which is the best that's where you want your characters to feel hopeless uh there's there's no possible escape you know imaginable beautiful cinematography wise not a lot just a uh, interesting camera work uh solid right lots of very steady shots these controlled slow pushes and dolly shots uh left to right uh, these controlled pans locked off shots right we're gonna just Locked that, that clip that we played, those are just simple, locked-off shots. They didn't move an inch. And even that sequence started wide, moved uh, to mediums, moved to you know close-ups, and it's just a really good job of we're earning everything. And they really do a good job, too, of saving the close-ups for when we finally trust and we can let our hair down. Because up until that point, staying wide makes you feel like there's too much frame Um, And maybe it's not filled up enough. Maybe something else is going to jump in and fill that frame. Um, It just but there's a sense of safety that comes in by restricting that information. It almost feels like we don't need to see everything because there's everything's fine. And it's interesting how you can use that same idea inversely, where sometimes, you know, you you go to a close up in order to create a sense of danger to restrict visual information from the audience and your character's. Uh, and you can play it either way. It's just, you know, how do you set it up and how do you, uh, stay true to it and and stay in that, uh, uh, consistently. And then here they also have intense handheld shaky shots to heighten danger. And so we go from, you know, these really solid, like perfectly, uh, still shots of, you know, pushes and, and pans. Uh, and then we go into these handheld, uh, chaos right the the homeless guy running at her uh, hey little girl and he's saying all the worst stuff like hey little girl come out of that house (laughs) it's just like uh no (laughs) you're not selling me here buddy um and then you know the tunnel chases i I think are all handheld probably seems pretty unlikely that he could get you know a lot of camera gear down there and so i'd imagine that's all handheld maybe a shoulder mount at, at worst but both of those things create very strong contrast that enhances both of them, right? The steady shots feel steadier and contrast to the chaotic shots. And then the handheld shots feel way more chaotic in contrast to those really locked off, you know, controlled shots. Uh, just God, the directing and, and uh, meeting the writing here is really, really good. Uh, that's the other thing. Oh man, I feel like, he said that uh, because of the budget on this thing was so low, he kind of got to do whatever he wanted he could just throw weird stuff at the wall. And they'd be like, they were basically like, yeah, whatever. We're, we're dealing with this other, you know, $150 million movie right now. I'm sorry if your $5 million movie doesn't warrant our full attention. Um, Then something along those lines, I think is what he actually said. Uh, And it's, it's really cool. The other, on the directing side, great use of ambience and tone, just flawless, uh, we have this opening shot of the house and Tess pulling up in her car. And it's just the rising choir of screams. And you're just like, oh God, like, what is waiting for us in this house? Um, and then it cuts. And as she's trying to get inside the house or figure out what the heck's going on, we have all these music cues echoing the visual elements. I love this kind of stuff. Uh, it's like the lights. She's in. She goes back to her car. She's on her phone, trying to figure it out. And then in the background of the house, we can see a light pop on in the living room, and it's just not a light coming on. There's a boom. There's a very soft boom as the light triggers, and then we rack focus to it, and it adds another little kind of boom. So they're playing with pitch, like you have this deep, bassy boom, and then this kind of lighter, softer boom. That coincides with the rack focus. And then same thing. She goes to the porch uh, and then another light pops on and we get another boom. And so everything happening on the inside just feels suspect. You're just like, what is going on? Um, and then when she's going down the, the the tunnel, she finds a stairway. And as she's going down the steps, we have this heartbeat in our ears and it's just, you know, speeding up and it's getting louder. And then as she gets to the bottom, I love it because it's pounding in our ears And then it stops and it creates all this empty space for other sounds, for other sounds of horror. Right. And we anticipate something now filling that void in both sound and darkness, because like you said earlier, uh, they do a really wonderful job of practically lighting some of these tunnels with just a flashlight and that's it. That's the entire lighting setup. Um, we're just going to have this flashlight and whatever that character can see is now what we can see. Um, that's a great use of just tone in sync with the cinematography uh, because to light the tunnel, right? So it's very strong perspective from the character. And we're also exactly as dark as they are. We're in the same amount of knowledge that the character has. And so it creates a strong sense of perspective and location. Yeah. I think this is just an incredibly well-crafted film. um, And, this dude finished this. Were
0: you surprised? That, were you surprised
1: that I liked it? I was. I was like, this is such a wild card because the audience really helped make this a great experience. And sitting it at home, I don't know if it comes to life the same way. Uh, and so I was like, man, is Todd going to be like mad at this thing uh, because it doesn't do a lot of jump scares. And I think it's arguable whether or not that first kill is a jump scare. I mean, it's certainly you know in the in the in the vein but whenever i think about jump scares and maybe i think you do too is they're kind of worthless it's just you 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 jump and there's no extra story behind it it's just the cat jumping out of the the closet um you know or it's just a reflection of a, a character that we know and like and so there's not a lot of that there's a little bit here and there um but it doesn't rely on that stuff. Uh but uh, yeah, I just wasn't sure if how you were going to react to some of these really I
0: can imagine I can imagine it being a better experience if I had 100 people around me. Yeah, yeah for sure, for sure. But I it that that's a strength of this film I think that it just stands on its own even yeah. by yourself, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah. And so this
1: guy finished this film, this like no budget, uh, maybe not no budget, it's a little bit strong. I know what a no budget film is, Um, (laughs) but you know, this, this rather cheap, you know, uh, studio film and he is now a hot commodity. I think he got into a bidding war for his next script. It's called weapons. Um, And the bidding war sounds like I'll link uh, a, a story that I read about it. Because it was so bitter that it, it came down between, oh, gosh, I'm going to forget. Is it Paramount? Uh, one studio, maybe New Line. And another, uh, Jordan Peele, wanted it for his studio, um, for his production company. And it came down really close because Zach Craiger was like, I really want to work with Jordan Peele. But the offer is so good on this other one that if he'll just match it, I'll take it. And he didn't match it. And apparently, Jordan Peele was so upset that he fired his uh, uh, manager, who's been with him since before Mad TV. That's like the beginning, Whoa. beginning. Like that would be like me having a manager now, <laughs> and then getting to Jordan Peele status, and then be like, no, because apparently Zach Kreger and Jordan Peele have the same manager management, um, and so oh. I think uh, he was just frustrated that his, his manager, you know, didn't fight harder for him or, or something along those lines. I don't know. I, don't, I mean, there might be more to it. There's usually, uh, if, if I've learned anything, you know, in life, it's stories are always more complicated than what's reported. And so it wouldn't be surprising to find out there's way more layers to what happened than just boiling down to that. Uh, but it's still really fascinating that, you know, he, this guy came in, rocked it. Uh, and he's being rewarded, like you know, he's earned it. Like I, I think he's making something like thirty-three million or something like that uh, on this next project. And man, I cannot imagine what script would warrant that kind of fight. Um, but I can't wait. Whatever weapons is, no one knows. It's not being released. It's under wraps. Uh, I can't wait. Like this, this guy's got my yeah. full attention. You know,
0: that sounds fun. Yeah, that sounds a lot of fun. <laughs> Uh, and if and if and if uh, and if Jordan Peele is that interested in it I mean that's saying a lot cuz that guy I just love that guy yeah same He's amazing same he he
1: gets yeah. it he gets horror and I love that he's he's really focused mm-hmm. on telling these uh these kinds of stories yeah um
0: yeah. final thoughts man no i just i i loved i loved this movie not because of what was in it but because the way it was told that's what i would yeah. what i would say um which is really an interesting way to look at like stories, right? If you think about that, it's like it almost doesn't matter what happens; mm. it just matters like how it happens, or like like you know the the conduit for which it it comes. You know, is it believable? Is it something that you can relate to yourself? And then if it takes you out of your comfort zone, but then bring then then brings you back, and it just has these ebbs and flows. It's just interesting. It like you know. It makes perfect sense, you know, you saying that he's that he said, Okay, I'm bored. What else would should happen here? Oh, this could happen. Okay, cool. That makes sense. And that's almost the only way that a film like this can be written, right? I mean, you know, when you just kind of let your mind wander yeah. uh, into scenarios and and which is one of the most one of the more endearing parts of it, I think. So yeah, no, I, I enjoyed it. So I,
1: I would love to see because it's really easy to tell a story where men are being complete pieces of shit. We have enough examples of it to, to write infinite stories about it. And I think it would be really interesting to see let's, what's, a, what's the inverse of this story look like. Uh, women so fed up with you know patriarchal society that they just become the, the enemy. And I don't want a redeeming version of women being violent. I want a violent version of women being violent out of whatever motivation you like. Uh, like that guy, Frank, he didn't have any motivation to treat women that way. He did it because he could. And so what, what does the inverse look like of women doing whatever they can because they can like, let's, let's explore that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that could be really fun. I feel like that's pretty unmined, Um, and that would be really exciting as a viewer to step into uh, a film and, and just watch them tee up a bunch of guys, and uh, maybe whether whether it's a, a guy as a hero or a woman as a hero, either way, there's a really fun, interesting story to come out of that, um, both ways. And I'd love to see that.
0: Yeah. Even if even if a dude plays a woman, yeah, like in this movie, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. That is yeah. a guy. <laughs> it's a guy. Matthew Patrick. Yeah.
1: I think he's tall. How tall is that guy? He's I don't, I don't know, uh, but I'm, dude, I'm, I'm super. Like,
0: like six four something right. i don't know let's see I, I want to
1: say higher than that um six eight <laughs> six eight holy <laughs> cow oh my gosh uh, freakishly tall is how the washington post uh called him in 2014 <laughs> that's hilarious okay uh, all right i hope freakishly never you know is a uh, an adjective for my description <laughs> Unless yeah. it's freakishly handsome, Todd. Um, there you go.
0: I'll take it. So what are you going to recommend this week?
1: Uh, oh, shit. Nothing? I don't, I
0: don't know. Nothing. Uh, nothing.
1: So I am going to recommend a book that I've been reading. It's funny because re- I'm reading it because of this movie. Uh, and no, it's mm. not Jane Eyre, even though that's on my list to read this year. Um, it's actually Helen Color. I've been editing our old friend and former boss, Byron, Byron Reese. And one of the, I've gone through hours of his speeches and footage. And, and so I just have a lot of his thoughts floating around in my head. And one of his things that he talks about is Helen Keller. And she talks about uh, being, so if you don't know who Helen Keller is, she was born in 1880. Um, she was born fine, a healthy baby. And then after she was like a year and a half, she got sick and lost her sight, lost her hearing. And she grew up deaf and blind. And eventually she learns how to uh, read and write and communicate to the world. But just imagine as, you know, someone deaf and blind, how do you even begin that conversation? How do you teach someone who can't see, who can't hear? Uh, That's a, it's a process. And so she wrote a book about it. God, my God, (sighs) that's. I cannot, I'm literally Todd. I think I'm like 12% into this book because I have a Kindle that tells you the exact percentage. I'm like 12, <laughs> 13% in, and I'm like, every chapter is just beautiful. It's heartbreaking and it's uplifting. Oh, I think what's really cool about it too is it's appropriate for kids. Like I can imagine your kids reading this book um, because the chapters are short. Uh, it's written uh, very, very well, but not in this brutal esoteric language that i see so much in the 1800s um and it's just it's a story worth hearing and certainly worth uh thinking about yeah i could not recommend it anymore it's uh helen keller the story of my life and it's just oh perfect and amazing yeah okay i was thinking about her because i was imagining uh how life must have felt like for this woman uh, this underground uh chud this cave human underground dweller <laughs> like, <that's>, uh, <laughs> what do you call it yeah. yeah i think that's what a chud
0: is uh chud you know? oh okay i yeah. know uh, uh, it's from an old yeah movie. no that yeah. makes perfect sense that makes perfect sense um when, when i saw that this quote i was i was thinking you know what yeah i mean And I couldn't I couldn't help but imagine that's the other interesting thing about this film is that I couldn't help but imagine what these women went through. At the hands of Frank and and we never see any of it, you know, we never see anybody in that room, we never see the person who put the handprint on the wall, we never see anybody in the cages, we're just told and we see we never even really get a good look at the woman, hmm. the first woman, yep. you know, because she's across the street getting in her car. And then he just kind of follows her. I mean, I guess we do when we go. he goes into her house. But
1: even then, they try to keep her as not prominent in frame as possible. And I was thinking about that because I was like, what's the point of that? And I think it's to try to not focus on the victim through his eyes because he's looking yeah. at her through – these eyes of lust and the, uh, and so the more you're kind of showing her, the more you're trying to think about why is he targeting her? And it could turn into a really dark thought instead of just focusing on him as the villain. It yeah. prevents all these other thoughts of, uh, you know, violence that, that he's having instead, mm-hmm. we can just focus on him being a, a rabid piece of shit.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But, but yeah, anyway, so like, like, yeah, it, it, ha- Helen Keller having the quote of the day is, is really great. Yeah. Makes sense.
1: Um, did, did you find a, a reco?
0: No, I was just listening to yours. I'm okay. sorry. No, I'm good, a, I don't good. think I'm going to recommend anything this week because okay. I haven't, I haven't watched anything that I really like. Mm. Um, and, and there's, I've just been, haven't, haven't, uh, digested much this how, week. Okay. To be honest.
1: Uh, how about for your recommendation and, the art spotlight will throw in Toby. Toby Nwigwe. Oh um,
0: my God. Yeah. What is that track that I sent you? I haven't. I, um, is it
1: a brand new one? I'm wondering if it's one I've heard yet. Um, if I'm going to watch it regardless, because every time he pops up, I watch it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah. Uh, that's what I'll recommend. So, I don't. How do you say his last name? Ngu- Toby Nwigwe? Nwigwe? Um, he has this track called I choose you. I think it's, yeah, it's called I choose you. And it on Instagram, it's just him, you know, in this room, this really beautiful, I don't know. He has this look that's just so cool and it's so delicate. And the way that he delivers, at first it starts with this amazing, this guy singing this amazingly beautiful, high pitched, incredible performance. And he's just sitting there and he's, he's kind of like looking over at this guy, like, like, yeah, he's part of my, my group, but damn, he's good. You know, kind of that thing. And then you're thinking, how can he follow this? And the way that he delivers his performance is just so he basically whispers it. It's unbelievable. And then it goes back to this guy, these singers, and it's just amazing. And his, his, uh, his flow, his, his lyrics are just incredible, just so beautiful and poignant and and I'm amazingly thoughtful. It, you'll love it. Man. You'll love it. I mean you introduced me to to yeah. Toby yeah. what, what month, months ago a year ago or something Yeah, maybe, maybe? a couple of years yeah maybe a couple of years ago and I started following him cuz I thought wow the, yeah this guy's really good and good in a different way cuz I'm I'm not I'm not into hip hop yeah. like I honestly there's not a lot about it that I relate to but this guy different like this guy like there's something about him and so it was cool to see he was at the Grammys he was nominated uh, he didn't win but he was nominated and I saw a video of, of uh, Busta Rhymes freaking out about meeting him and his wife backstage wow. in fact I'll find the video and I'll send it to you he was Busta like literally got on the ground in front of her and and like worshipped her and, and said I will not touch you you know, my queen, you are, you are a queen and I will not touch you, whatever. And he was just like gushing over Toby and his wife. And there's just such a good message of, of like the power of family and the power of, 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 of like um, having a partner and devoting your life to that partner, no matter what, and being a strong parent and father and husband and strong woman. You Know it's just like I don't know, I just yeah. love him to death anyway. So, um, yeah, I, I'll recommend that. I choose you by Toby. That thank you for giving me that.
1: Well done, the, man. I cannot wait to because, yeah, I, I don't think I've heard that track yet. So, like, I'm really excited yeah. to, to dive into that. Uh, you can check the show notes for that one. Um, awesome. Well, stay tuned for next week. Uh, are we still good for this one, yeah. Cool. Uh, we're going to take a look at Cyrano with Peter Dinklage um, and some other uh, heavy hitters in tow. And so take a look at that. I think it's streaming somewhere. I've once again forgot where, um, but it is on one of the major streaming platforms, whether that's HBO or Hulu. Um, I forget, maybe, maybe Netflix or Amazon Prime, um, but I'll, I'll link that. Uh, I use justwatch.com to always figure out what's streaming where. And so check that out. And if you're enjoying the show, don't forget, leave us a note. Um, there's something you want to talk about, kind of things you find interesting. And while I'm thinking about it, I keep forgetting to do this uh, because, you know, I'm the worst. We did have a reviewer pop up and leave us a brilliant review. This one comes from Chris Dion. And he says, or she um, says, they they say, Great movie review and discussions. Why, thank you. Why, thank you, Christian. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Always welcome. Yes. Thank you so much. Uh, hopefully uh, this one hit the uh, hit the spot as well. And if you want to leave a note on this one, uh, y'all can do that at thepestlepodcast.com slash barbarian.
0: And our quote of the day, as we mentioned earlier, is from Helen Keller. And keeping in mind, she's blind and deaf, right? Keeping that in mind. Before my teacher came to me, I did not know that I am. I lived in a world that was a no world. I cannot hope to describe adequately that unconscious yet conscious time of nothingness. When I learned the meaning of I and me and found that I was something, I began to think. Then consciousness first existed for me. Such a beautiful... I like... (laughs) Like it's, it's amazing. I mean, one thing I can I can say that I've kind of tried to start really paying attention to is thinking hmm. because I get so bogged down with doing and with even being, you know, like being present for my kids, being present for my wife, like doing my job, making music that I forget to just freaking think right Right. to just be in my head and allow my thoughts to create, to be created in real time. Like I, I never like so for so long now, you know, basically since I've had a family where I I felt all of this pressure to provide and and to, 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 to be present, to be a good dad, to be a good husband, you know, and a, a good, you know, worker or a good artist or whatever, that I stop using my brain and just for no purpose, you know, everything has a purpose. Like I I wake up and I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to do that. And I use my brain for all of it, but it's all driven to something, Hmm. but to just think, right. I don't do that enough. And I imagine if I didn't have the distraction of seeing or hearing and I'm just calling it a distract. It's not a distraction. It's a gift. But if I didn't have those gifts, all i have is my thought that's all i can do i have no you know and i imagine she lived in that world for so long no worse than that because
1: right now if you lost your your speech and your sight you would still have language she didn't have language to even think she didn't have language she she had no thoughts like not in the way oh that God. you and i had them imagine we use phrases like getting to know yourself all the time. And the only way you can get to know yourself is if you can express what a self is, if you can express, you know, what knowledge is, uh, what, what your desires are and why you desire these things. Um, and it without language. And this is, uh, the first time I ran across this quote was reading uh, Byron's last book, um, Byron Reese's book, we've been talking about him a lot uh, for this reason, um, is, and, and he, he talks about Helen Color uh, because he, he's trying to lay out the, uh, the case about why humanity is so interesting and so unique on the, on the planet. Um, and I think this kind of idea is why we can look at animals and say, they're not people, uh, it's because they don't have language. They don't have the ability to express themselves, um, or let alone to have thoughts. And it doesn't matter which animal you want to throw, like uh, pigs or dolphins or crows um, or or anything else. Like uh, nothing. Else on earth comes close to being able to, um, have language and the, and culture in the way that, you know, we use language to create culture and society. And, you know, we're looking at this, uh, the, the mother of, of this film, um, the, the underground lady, and she doesn't have any of that. She didn't, she wasn't gifted, uh, knowledge. Um, and without knowledge, this is kind of what we are. It's, it, it's nothingness. It's just impulses. And reading her book, even in the first few chapters, it's it's so revealing thinking about living in a world where you don't even know what love is. Not just you don't, you're not able to express it, but you don't even know it as a concept. You're not even Mm. remotely aware of yourself as an, as an entity in and of itself. Like that's, it's very animalistic. Like she, she, you know, sounds like she's describing an animal. If you remove her from the the, the subject uh, and just that description, it's an animal, you know, to not be aware of yourself as a, as a conscious being like, that's just mind bending. Uh, and it's because of language wow. and a million other things that, you know, layer onto that. But uh, that's the starting point, the ability to think in terms of thinking.
0: <laughs> that is a great point. Oh. Wow. Didn't look at it that way. Dang. It's crazy. It's hard to wrap my it's mind crazy. around. It's <laughs> crazy. Yeah, it's like Yeah, it's crazy. It's like the idea of of time being everywhere all at once at the same time. You know, like like <laughs> right. I can't, you know, or the idea of infinity. Like I can't um, I can't wrap my head around that. I can't wrap my head around around not knowing what I am. Not knowing the I, you know, or not knowing love or not knowing like any not knowing not knowing you know the idea of nothingness right but there's still something there's still something you're at and and maybe that's the definition of like the difference between human and animal to take it a little further would be even when you don't know that there's nothing there's still an an, an, and like a crumb there yeah right as a as a human being right the, because she even says i cannot hope to describe adequately that unconscious yet conscious time of nothingness so there that the conscious part no matter how small is there even or was there for her even though it was still unconscious and nothingness it just That's crazy. It's so uh, crazy. And then for her, write a book like what? And to be so influential, you know, and to have the wherewithal to
1: describe and figure out those moments of existing before she had contact with the world, Um, because effectively all her contact was, you know, just impulses and um, her own selfish desires and the inability to empathize with anyone else. She describes uh, trying to kill her sister like, you know, the, the intention wasn't to kill the sister. It was, you know, something else. It was a selfish desire. And her sister was simply uh, in the way of that. Um, and luckily, you know, the mom was there to, to, to save the, the baby. It was a baby. Um, and, and just being able to exist in that era for whatever it was, six years, seven years, and then to come into consciousness and then relate to us what that experience was like is just... It's all really amazing, and reading this book, uh, literally like 40 pages into it, I'm like, yeah, I I get why she was a big deal. <laughs> like, she was the, okay, the I'm biggest gonna, deal. Okay, I'm going to read that. I have to. It's, It might be one of the best r- books I've ever read by the end of it. I don't know what's coming next, but... It, uh, there's a lot of book left, and I just cannot
0: report. Report back to us next week. <laughs> I will, sir. I will. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. This has been this has been awesome. Uh, I really enjoyed this episode. I same. enjoyed your insight, man. Um. Uh. And the film was same really you, really great. I can't wait. I can't wait to see what Zach is going to do next. Yeah, same here. Uh, Uh, So like Wes said, please subscribe, review us uh, wherever you get your podcasts. It all helps. It really does. And if there's a film that you'd like to to hear us break down, we'd love to hear from you too. Uh, Until next week, I'm Todd. I'm Wes. Go watch some movies.